Good evening. Tonight I have some online dating app horror stories. Ones that will really chill you to the bone. So, let's get into it. Number one. I've only told this story to my closest friends. I haven't even confided in my sister for the fear of obvious shame. Please buckle in because this tale needs to be told in length. I went to college in Chicago, which has a large gay community. Now, gay men are true champions of leveraging technology to their sexual prowess. Grindr was on the map as the goal to hook up app years before the streets got into a tizzy about Tinder. I normally used Grindr to expedite getting my rocks off, but I was having a off week and decided to use a platform that's more to the point, Craigslist. I posted a listing looking for a hookup with a good-looking, slightly older man, and within a few hours I settled on a fit 30-something. This was a Friday night and he agreed to pick me up at my apartment building. Then he would take me back to his place and we'd fool around. So he picks me up at my nearest intersection. He's just as attractive as his picture. Yes, but something is off personality-wise. I can only describe it as he was a little off, but he wasn't off in a slow or stupid way. In fact, it was the total opposite. He was incredibly nice, his voice was kind and light, but there was something too practiced behind it. In retrospect, the more I think about it, the more it feels rehearsed, calculated, like a razor blade hiding in a popsicle. He asked me a little about myself, but then he didn't respond when I would ask him the same questions. He'd just smile and laugh it off. What I did manage to get out of him was that he worked in real estate. Remember this. He had told me earlier through email that he lived on X and Y Street and I wrote this off as a blip originally because their two streets ran parallel and he essentially told me that he lived in the middle of the road. We were in his car for about eight minutes when he had already passed these two streets by a few blocks. I lived in a popular walkable area and at this moment I told myself you can get out of the car now and you can run home, you're still close enough. I told myself that I was over-analyzing this. We get to his place after a 35 minute car ride. We are out of the city and in a neighborhood. Right away his house is clean but again it's too clean. Everything was so polished and nothing out of place. There was a Dexter level of cleanliness to it. We go into the kitchen which was in the back of the house and after a minute or two of more awkward conversation, I wrap my hands around him and kiss him. Except he doesn't receive the kiss, my lips make contact with his but his lips remain flat and at rest. There is a moment of pause and he smiles at my kiss. This wasn't a friendly smile. This was a knowing smirk. He tells me this is his first time and he's very, very nervous. 
he excuses himself and runs down to the basement. The stairs down are next to the kitchen. They are not a straight staircase. They turn at a right angle halfway down, which prevents me from seeing what's downstairs. He's down there for a good, maybe five to ten minutes, and I hear stuff rustling around. Metal things clanking together, so I yell down to get him back up. The sound stops. There's no reply. And it starts again. I run to the bathroom and lock the door. I think about jumping out the window. It's a ranch. I text a friend. He tells me to get out, but I don't want to offend my host. There's a knock on the bathroom door, and he says to meet him in the bedroom. The kitchen is next to the bathroom, and I considered pocketing a kitchen knife. He comes back up, and we finally start fooling around. He won't kiss, and he keeps telling me that this is his first time doing this. The weird thing is that he's oddly comfortable with my body, and he is actually good at gay stuff. He gets very aggressive at one point, and I looked around the room and spotted a blue glass vase. I tell myself that I can use this as a weapon if need be. He doesn't finish, but I ask if I may finish on him. He agreed. He freaks out after I do and he gets up, without saying a word and completely naked. He walks back down to the basement. I put on my underwear and walk to the edge of the stairs. And I hear whimpers and whispers. There is no one downstairs except for him. Of this, I am sure. The clanking metal sounds continue. They're nothing loud, they sound like a scalpel being placed on a metal surgery tray, or tools bouncing in a toolbox. He's downstairs for 5, 10, 15 minutes now and I'm fully dressed. I'm giving my friend a play-by-play through text and he tells me to drop him a pin. I don't know how to so he walks me through the process. When I finally do sell him my location, he calls me. You have to get out of that house now. Why, I asked. Do you know where you are? You're out by O'Hare. My fight or flight completely kicks in, now understanding that I'm stranded in an area that has no access to public transportation, and I don't have a car. I yell downstairs to see if he's alright. All sounds stop, and there's no reply. For a moment, I think about grabbing his keys from his jacket, driving a car a few blocks from my place and leaving it wherever. At this point, I yell down, I'll be waiting outside. I hear what sounds like chains dropping and footsteps coming heavily up the stairs. I run to the door, fumbling with the lock until I rip it open and get outside. He was naked last time I saw him, so I figure getting dressed will at least slow him down. I freeze for a moment and then I took off running. I made it two blocks away before I broke down crying and called an Uber. This was February in Chicago and it was maybe 22 degrees outside and snowy. At this point, mystery man tries calling me and I hang up. He texts, Haha, where did you go? I say that I got a ride and that I'm okay and I block his number. I hid between two cars at a used car lot while waiting 30 minutes for an Uber to pick me up. 
I saw a mystery man's car driving around. Two Ubers had already cancelled and I had to call the third Uber to make him promise that he wouldn't cancel on me because I was in danger. I block out this experience mostly. There are some nights when I begin to go over all the details in my head. It destroys me and turns my blood cold. And it's the little red flags that deeply unnerve me. Number one, I'm convinced that we were in a model home or at least a home that he was selling. Number two, he was gay and comfortable with himself, but I believe he was referring to something far more sinister when he was saying that this was his first time. Number three, the smartest thing I did among many foolish choices was not going down to that basement. I do not think I would have come back upstairs if I had. Number four, There's a moment in the end of that girl with the dragon tattoo where a man goes with the killer into the house. Knowing by now that he is the serial killer and the killer says something along the lines of you knew but you still came in sight. We are too afraid of being rude to go without animal instinct and get away from danger. I experienced this firsthand. I always think back to the story that was submitted here last year about a man who was almost killed by John Wayne Gracie at a hotel as a teenager. He says that one day he saw Gracie's face on the TVs after being caught and he had a total breakdown knowing what almost become of him. Something deep inside tells me that I may have a moment like that myself one day. Number 2 A couple of years ago I joined Tinder set up a profile, added a couple of pictures, noted a couple of my interests, as you're meant to do. I started chatting to a couple of guys in there who seemed interesting and then I was messaged by David. David seemed sweet, reasonably witty, decent banter, like the West Wing, but wasn't to like. We exchanged numbers and agreed to meet the following week at a pub down the road. Success my first Tinder date. I should at this point mention that, although I don't really remember exactly how the conversation turned to this, I must have mentioned that I like the Muppets, and I do like the Muppets. Again, what's not to like? But it was a throwaway comment, and I obviously did not think much of it at the time. How wrong I was. We met the following week. I was full of excitement. He brought along a duffel bag and there was no spark at all. The witty banter I had come to expect from him was just not there. He was nervous and fidgety and told me once I'd ordered a glass of wine that if I died on the road that night because of my drinking, that he would not feel guilty. Stuck for something non-awkward to say, I asked him why he'd brought along a giant duffel bag. His eyes lit up and mumbled something about how he'd about how he'd hoped to save them for later in the evening to spice it up, but since I'd asked, he unzipped the bag and from within pulled out Kermit, a full-sized proper hardcore Kermit the Muppet. He put Kermit on his knee and started to do what I believe was his Kermit impression. Believe me, it was not Kermit, but someone sounding exceptionally constipated. I like to think of myself as a reasonably nice, polite, northwest London Jewish girl, but even I couldn't see a way out of this. 
He had told me he had 40 other Muppets at home and that since I told him that I also loved the Muppets, we were obviously meant to be. Obviously, we were not. I made my excuses, downed my glass and headed for the door. He still messages me to this day and if I ever see him around, unfortunately the Jewish social scene in London is smaller than I would like, I tell him I have a boyfriend. So that's it for our dating app horror stories. If you enjoyed this series, let me know down in the comments and I would be more than happy to do another. If you would like to submit a story of your own, just send an email to the link that I have put on the screen, which you can also find in the description, as well as my other social media links. Um, yeah, so have a great day. Thanks for listening. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.